Welcome to this very, very, very special episode of the HR Chat Podcast. Today marks the 500th episode. Wowza. You know, back in 2016, when we started the podcast, there was no way that I thought we'd reach such a big milestone. Hey, this is Bill Bannum. Since then, we've published over 12,000 minutes of content, received hundreds of thousands of downloads, and featured some of the biggest brands in the world of work. The HR Chat podcast has given me and guest hosts, including Tim Baker, Matt Burns, and Pauline James, the opportunity to speak with and learn from some of the best and brightest minds in HR, leadership, tech, talent, law, wellness, DEI, and a whole bunch more. Before I go any further, I'd like to acknowledge the hundreds of guests who've been kind enough to offer their time and share their expertise on the HR Chat podcast. Amazing experts featured on the HR Chat show include Dave Ulrich, Matthew Hamilton, Elizabeth Bargazi, Mark S. Babbitt, Dave Milner, Brian Kropp, Ben Eubanks, Roger Thorpe, Monica Roots, Craig Fisher, Rob Bramage, Kevin W. Grossman, Jacob Morgan, Ray Wang, Jim Wright, Chris Bjorling, who also does some work with me on the HR Chat Show, and uh, we host the People in Performance podcast. Matt Charney, Janice Sutherland, Pete Lampson, Barry Flack, Rupert Morrison over at Orgview, uh, Dr. Philip Meads from the NASA Kennedy Space Center, Russell Robinson, Hassan Faruqi, Mike Sipple, Bill Treasurer, Mervyn Dinan, Perry Timms, Nicole and Mike from Blue Ivy, you guys are awesome. Jesse Ryan, you're great. Uh, Erica Broadwater, Kevin Oakes, Josh Linkner, Al Adamson, Dr. Charles Handler, Brian Sommer, Ben Brooks, Mandy Price, Tom Boudreau, Shadi Sturkle, Kelly Kaufman, Scott Lane, Kathy Caprino, Sean Fahey, Cecilia Crossley, Eve Boudreau, Ryan Porter, Lawrence Flocko, Paul Gray from the HR Review, Tia Graham, one of the happiest people I've ever met, uh, Natalie Egan, Stephen Chedletsky, Ilya Brotsky from over at Van Hack, Charlene Thomas from UPS, Lee Mitchell, a wonderful human being, Lauren Waters from Zero, very cool person again, Rob Catalano, can't say enough good things about Rob, Bill Howard, Johnny Taylor from Sherman, Diana Spencer from the McGowan Fund, Louise Triance, JT O'Donnell, wow, what an inspiring person, Janet Stovall, Debbie Mono over at Genos, Sam Eaton, Gethin Naden, the guy is just awesome and he continues to write amazing books, Elvin Turner, Tim Sackett, Chris Bailey, and William Tincup. As it's the 500th episode, I decided it would be fitting to offer up the mic today to someone that I hold in very high regard because, among other things, he leads a company creating an impressive amount of high quality and very, very insightful content to educate and inspire the HR talent and leadership communities. This includes a super, super, super impressive podcast. Jason Averbook is the CEO and co-founder over at LeapGen, the HR technology consultant and digital transformation company shaping the now of work. Jason is a very well-respected thought leader and leading analysts in HR, the future of work and technology's impact on that future. At LeapGen, he helps organizations shape their future workplace by broadening the executive mindset to rethink how to design and deliver employee services that meet the expectations of the workforce and the needs of the business. He's also the host of the 
awesome Now of Work podcast, which I've been lucky enough to appear on as a guest uh, alongside Jess Von Bank. And, um, well, that just leaves me to say thanks to everyone who's tuned into the podcast over the years. Here's to another 500. And now for the conversation with a uh, podcast hero of mine, Jason Aberbook. Jason, welcome to the HR Chat Podcast today. Hey, thank you so much, Bill. It's so great to be here. I really, really appreciate you having me. So, Jason, beyond my wee introduction there, why don't you take a minute or two and tell our listeners all about yourself? Wow. All about myself. Everything. <laughs> really, really um, fond. Let's just use that. Fond of the combination, the combination of business, education, and technology. So my father was a business person. My mother was a teacher. And I was kind of a technology geek growing up. And the combination of those three really created my um, you know, career in the world of HR and workforce technology. So really, really um, love the combination of those three. And, uh, you know, therefore excited to uh, be with you today. So you recently contributed, Jason, to a Forbes post called 10 Innovations That Excite Today's HR Industry Leaders. That seems like a pretty great place to start our conversation today, I think. Um, and you suggest that digital communication platforms should excite HR pros. Tell me more about that particular innovation and why that's the one that should excite the HR pros. You know, one of the things that's so interesting, Bill, is that, you know, forever in HR, we've been counting people. You know, and, you know, some of us are great at counting people. Others of us still are not great at counting people, you know, and technology is supposed to help us with that. You know, but in the world we live in today in 2022 into 2023, what's going to be more important than ever is how we actually build connection with people and how we actually make people count. So shifting from counting people to making people count, the more that we can build connection with people, the better. Now, if we take a look at what's happened in the world in the last two or three years, people are no longer sitting in an office together. Uh, people are no longer, you know, you know, traveling as much together. And therefore I need to think about how do I communicate with them, not just in a push and email and hope that they get it, but really interact, the interaction, which builds the F word, feeling, that I feel like I'm part of a culture. I feel like I'm part of a company. I feel like I understand the mission. I feel like I'm aligned. And I feel that I'm in a safe space where I can do my best work. That's what. That's how we as humans best perform. So for me, how do we get away from this kind of, let's put up an intranet site, which is a link farm, or let's put out a bunch of applications where people have to pull stuff from but let's think about how do I push and pull together to really build connection with the workforce. That's why I think that that is one of the, if not the most important pieces of technology and digitization that HR and, and enterprises as a whole can be focused on today. The days of matching web keyword searches with resumes and job descriptions is over. It's all about cultural fit. WorkZinger empowers job seekers looking for jobs and employers looking for new hires to have thoughtful and insightful conversations. 
making the recruiting process more successful for both sides. Learn more at workzinga.com. That is a pretty fantastic answer. Thank you. Hey, Jason, you and your team over at LeapGen, you guys create a lot of amazing content. I've got a lot of respect for how much and, and the level of the, the high quality of the, the content that you create in various different formats, whether that's events, webinars, written content. Um, and of course, you've got the awesome Now of Work podcast and you're you're at over 160 episodes released maybe 166 i think i saw today um i've been lucky to be on a, a guest or guest on one of the episodes with uh, with jess and uh, i had a lot of fun tell me tell me a little bit more about the podcast so you know when you think about that it when 2020 hit one of the things that became really really important to me actually before i do that i just want to thank you for the compliment on the content um, and, and I'll answer your question in a second, but to me, content is education. Education makes the world better. Uh, if people are educated, if they're educated with content that isn't bias, if they're educated, that is opinion, but not tied to specific technology or specific processes or specific idealism, but really about making work better. I think that just makes the world better. So that's why we do content. Now, the podcast, that podcast was created as a way back to originally how I talked about like who I am to build connection with people. And, and, and you know, the concept of connection, there are, Bill, there, there are a lot of lonely people in today's world. And when I say lonely you know, some people just think of lonely as sitting in their house alone. That's not necessarily what I mean. I mean, lonely as I don't really know where to go. I don't really know if I'm happy in my career. I don't really know if I'm doing the right thing at work. I don't really have anyone to talk to about my mental health. I don't really have anyone to talk to about trying something new. So when we created the Now of Work community, which is really a community turned into a podcast, it was to give people a channel, to give people an avenue to be themselves, to talk about things that mattered to them in a safe space. Okay, we've turned that into a podcast because so many people said, we can't join at this time, so I'd love to have a way to listen. But that's really where that started from. And, you know, it, it's continued to grow to the point where over 550,000 listens have happened. Um, I was in Paris last week and a bunch of people stopped me saying, oh, I just love your show, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, I don't even think of it as a show. I think of it as an hour out of my week where I can actually talk and relate to other humans and share ideas. That's really where that came from. TouchTunes provides innovative entertainment and media solutions to over 75,000 offices, cafes, bars, and other spaces worldwide. The award-winning music system sparks engagement and encourages happier work environments through an integrated music platform that includes digital jukeboxes, mobile, photo booths, and TouchTunes TV. Learn more at TouchTunes.com. I love that answer. Thank you very much. So this week is is a special week, Jason, um, because it 
it uh, celebrates the 500th episode of the HR chat show. I, I, gosh, I can't believe <laughs> it's, it's, it's that many. It's been, it's been a, thank you. Thank you. It's been a, it's been a labor of love. And uh, in the early days, you know, it took a while to get, get it out there, but uh, uh, it's, it's fairly well received these days, I think. And we've been very lucky to have so many amazing guests on over the years and uh, I can't thank them all enough for their time for their expertise and for sharing with the community uh, when you guys with your podcast when you get to episode 500 Jason um, what would you like to think that you can look back and, uh, and and point to in terms of its impact so first of all I just want to say it again congratulations on getting to 500 because and I'm just going to say something and it's not meant to toot your horn or toot anyone's horn for that matter but what I'm going to say is that doing this is not as easy as people think it is by just tuning in and listening to an episode. There is so much work that goes in to putting up content the way that you do, Bill, to the community and getting to 500. Like, I'll answer your question in a second. I hope we can get to 500. But getting to 500 is such an accomplishment. And, and that just means to me that you've influenced the world in 500 different ways. And there's not a lot of people in the world that can say that. So congratulations on that. Thank you, Jason. You're welcome. When it comes to if, and, and, and that's, it's gonna answer the same, it's gonna answer the question that you asked me, is what do I hope if we get to 500? If we get to 500, I hope, and, and this has already happened, so it's a little bit of a, you know, it's a little bit of a cheat, but I hope that someone would walk up to me at a conference or walk up to me in one of our customers or walk up to me wherever and say, you know, because of something I heard or something that I consumed, it changed the way I, we, my family, my life, the way we did something. And I don't, to be honest with you, I don't really care what that is, but if you have the ability which we all do, and I wish more people took advantage of it, to be honest with you, to influence others, not influence in getting them to do something, but influence their thinking so that we all that they learn so that we all learn together, we all grow together, and we together build the future of what work looks like, which is why I started every business I've started was to make work better for my two boys that are now 18 and 15. If if we're if we're lucky enough to get to 500, and we still have people saying, "I just love listening to your stuff because it stretches my mind, it gives me that safe space, and most of all, it makes me feel human." Like that's a big W for me. Hey, I want to I want to talk a little bit now and focus a little bit on uh, the employee experience because this is something that you're terribly passionate about. Um, I've, I've watched and, and listened to a bunch of interviews with you and uh, I know this this is something that you're very keen to, to get the message out there on. Uh, in the context of improving the employee experience, Jason, what does continuous improvement mean to you? So, you know, the interesting thing about employee experience, Bill, is that so many people have so many different definitions for it. And I'd like to start by answering your question with just a simple definition or a simple statement, which is we're all humans outside of work. And at work, we should also feel like humans. 
So what do I mean by that? You know, once again, I'll say it's 2022 outside of work. What year does it feel like inside of work? Is it as easy to get stuff done inside of work as it is to get stuff done outside of work? You know, I'm human outside of work. Am I asked to do inhuman things inside of work? You know, little examples like that. You know, how many times do I ask my kids, you know, in a given week how they are? Quite a few. How many times do I ask my employees in a given week how do, how are they? You know, not enough. You know, how many times do I ask my wife how she is? And how many times does she answer honestly? A lot. Why? Because I, there's trust there. How many times do my employees trust that if I ask them how they are, that that data is going to get used in a way that helps them? Not a lot. You know, I could go down a list. You know, someone wants to tell their company that they're about to have a baby. They should be able to say that they're about to have a baby and figure out what do they need to do to let their employer know they're having a baby instead of saying, I'm having a dependent. You know, how do I speak human at work and get treated at work like a human the same way I'm treated outside of work? And that's really, to me, what employee experience is, is making sure that whether it's technology, whether it's journeys, whether it's making sure that I've got the tools I need, not technology tools, but just processes and and how I get things done. And do I have visibility into what the status of things are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How do I make sure that that experience is as frictionless as possible, as frictionless as possible so that I can do the job that I was hired to do? If I create employee experiences that are hard to work in, that are very much tied to bureaucracies, that are very much hierarchical based, guess what? People today don't stay at those companies. So it's when, when we say experience, that's what we're talking about. Now, when we talk about continuous improvement, what does that mean? It means if I can't get something done today, guess what? I should fix it tomorrow. Unfortunately, Bill, in the world of HR and workforce technology, we have this terrible habit of waiting till the next release. You know, if if Bill is struggling with something today or Mark is struggling with something today, guess what? It should be fixed tomorrow. So that because guess what? Tomorrow, Tanya and Annette are going to have the same problem. So it's removing that friction and making sure you build a model that's not just tied to, oh, every six months or every 12 months, we're going to look at this data and make some tweaks. It's, hey, if 92 people search today for something on our intranet or portal and they can't find it, guess what? I better make sure that tomorrow when the 92 people search again, they find what they're looking for. That's the concept of continuous improvement. Thinking about your capabilities like products. How do I keep making the product better? A 1.0, a 2.0, a 3.0, instead of just saying, oh, here's the module, we're live, thank God, and moving on. Sounds a little bit like Jason is not a fan of those annual performance reviews, listeners. <laughs> hey, Jason, where, where, where does defining and creating personas fit in with all of this in terms of understanding the employee journey? 
you know, just really quickly on your comment, I want to make sure I, on the concept of performance reviews. I mean, once again, is it really fair to measure the, your people once a year? I would say no. <laughs> is it really fair to ask them once a year how they are? No. Is it really fair for me, someone who's terrible at time management, to grade you, Bill, someone who's great at time management, on whether or not you're good at time management? That's, I mean, I don't want to get into a whole, we could have a whole other discussion about this, but that's a process that's just messed up, that it's an old school process designed by unions for labor laws that we're somehow thinking is helping employees become better. And it's just really backwards thinking. Now, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> um, I, sorry, I got on that little rant. Now, you're... No, 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 I'm going to get you back on the show to talk about just this. We'll, we'll, we'll call it Jason's rant. It'll be a special episode. Uh, totally. Now you have to, because <laughs> I ranted, I forgot your question. So I need to, you need to repeat that question for me. Sorry. Absolutely. Uh, I was asking you about where, uh, where defining and creating personas fits oh. into the process. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to thinking about personas, personas are really a way personas are a way that we can infuse empathy into what do we do now in order to infuse empathy i need to understand my people and you guys everyone listening to this has examples of where you feel like whatever you're interacting with understands you or not I'm just going to read you something, Bill. I just got a text message, real life, um, from a site called 1-800-CONTACTS. And it says, success. Your contact lens prescription is verified. We can ship your order now. Cue the celebratory dance music. Tap the link to view your prescription. Now, when you think about that, look at that. There was it, it, the success exclamation point. My contact lens prescription is verified. It's even telling me to do a celebratory dance. It makes me feel good. But that's because it understands what 800 contacts has taken the time to understand what's going to make me feel good. The question is, do we understand in HR what makes our employees feel good? By pushing them out a transaction called self-service that they don't know how to use, that's not going to make them feel good. By having them leave a voicemail and hopefully someone gets back to them, that's not going to make them feel good. So we need to understand what drives them, what motivates them, and then design in a way that I'm communicating with them that makes them feel like they're part of a process. I have to honestly tell you this story about this contact lens. I did it on my mobile phone last night. I didn't have my prescription. I added my eye doctor, 1-800-CONTACTS, contacted my eye doctor this morning, my prescription's now verified, and my order's being shipped. That all happened within 12 hours, honestly. And the communication has been constant. How do I feel? Like they actually care, see, care about me. That's what we're talking about when we talk about personas, empathy, and understanding. And this episode of the HR Chat Pod is sponsored by Jason's Optician. Okay, <laughs> let, let's, let's, let's continue through. Um, Jason, who, who should own the, the creation and the management of the employee experience? Is that HR, 
Is that leaders? Is that employees? Oh my goodness me, is it employees or is it everyone? It's really everyone. It's really everyone. When we think about this concept of employee experience, employee experience has to be designed. And when I say it has to be designed, it has to be designed in a way where I understand my people. Now, who owns employee experience? That's a, it's a great question. And it's one that's very, very hard. And a lot of organizations are confused about it. Um, there needs to be an owner, just like there's an owner of a product for employee experience, who's constantly thinking, who's constantly thinking about what's going on, how are people feeling, and what's going to make them continue to be engaged, not enraged. And, you know, it's a combination of HR, who's got some employee capabilities, the business, who actually these employees report to, technology, because technology is part of this. So it's really a combination of all of those things together. Wonderful. Thank you. What's what's the difference between implementing tech, Jason, and and processes and deploying a vision? Um, and you may want to reference this lovely term that I've heard you use, which is uh, minimum lovable. <laughs> so, Bill, thank you for bringing that up. So, you know, there's 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 a big difference between deployment of a strategy and implementation of technology. A lot of organizations develop strategy. They develop a strategy. Let's say the strategy they're developing is to be a better listening organization. Cool. Now, why am I doing that? I identify because my employees aren't as engaged. How am I going to do that? I'm going to put in place programs to allow me to listen and act. And then, then the what is going to maybe be a piece of technology to help me do that. But what I'm doing is I'm deploying a company-wide strategy to be a better listener. Okay? As part of that, what I'm doing is implementing a piece of technology. But if all I do is implement the technology and hope that somehow implementing technology makes me a better listener as a company, good luck. It's not going to work. Like, I guarantee it's not going to work. So what do you do? You say, oh, the technology is terrible. And why do we say that? Because it's the only thing in the room that doesn't have a feeling. And what do we do? We start an RFP and we go out and say, oh, guess what? Time to buy some new technology. And we just go around and around and around and around and around. What we have to do is think about how do we deploy a strategy? And as part of that, realize that implementation is a key part of it, but it's not the only thing. Like I have to change the behavior of the company. I have to build trust. I have to make sure that people get these tools in a way that they can do them in the flow of how they work. Now, all of that has nothing to do with tech. That's why deploying a strategy is so important. Now, the second component that you brought up, the, you know, we in the world of technology forever have been talking about this concept of minimum viable product. And I always use this example of if you download an app from the app store, whatever app store you use, and you don't, for whatever reason, like the product, what do you do? You delete it. How often do you check to see if it gets better? You don't. And why often do you not like it? Because it's phase one, minimum viable. 
Okay, we have to switch our thinking. Minimum viable worked fine when my audience was an HR person who had to use the tool in order to keep their job. But when all of a sudden it's the employer manager who, by the way, has another job besides just doing HR stuff. Guess what? It needs to be minimum lovable because they need to love it from the start so that they keep coming back. It's a mindset shift that's so, so important that we have to make as an industry, which is when we were deploying to a persona of administrative users, minimum viable product is fine. But when we're deploying to a group of employees and managers that don't know how to spell HR, nor do we want them to know how to spell HR, I have to switch my mindset to minimum lovable. Wow, that was another rant, Bill. I'm really sorry. I don't think it's possible for me to switch my mindset to minimum lovable when you're around. It's on max. Uh, the the volume's been turned up to 11, Jason. Um, hey, we are almost out of time, I'm afraid. I've got another five or six questions here that I wanted to ask of you. Um, so I'm definitely going to bother you for another conversation soon. For sure. um, but for today, Jason, uh, how can our listeners connect with and learn more all about you? And of course, how can they check out LeapGen? Have those guys got any events coming up? Uh, you know, any, you can always go. To, you can always go to leapgen.com. Um, we are doing a map. You know, every year at the first in January, we do a a major, major, major conference, all virtual, all free, called Fuel. Uh, that's going to be January thirty first and February first. So really excited about that. You can find all that information on our website, leapgen.com. But you know, I really believe in multi channel communication, and Bill, you probably see this. Um, I use Instagram all the time. I use LinkedIn a ton. I don't talk about what food I like. Uh, I use Twitter. I, I talk about this whole concept of where work is today and where it's going. So please connect with me there. Um, I promise you the content is not invaluable. Excuse me. I promise you the content is valuable. It's not in not a bunch of junk, like just, hey, what am I eating? I do have some fun once in a while, but at the same time, you know, love for you to connect there and uh, love to keep building the community together. Yeah, just to reiterate how much I respect Jason and his team. Um, that's why that's why he's here with us uh, this week celebrating the 500th episode, uh, because uh, not only does he say lots of clever things and he presents in a very, very intelligent, inspiring way, but he and his team are on a mission to to, to share wonderful content and to educate folks and to, to genuinely improve the world of work. And, uh, and that's a big reason why I started this podcast all those years ago. Um, so it, it seems like a very good fit there. Hey, Jason, uh, that just takes us to the end of today's conversation. I will be pestering you very soon, sir, for a follow-up. But for now, thank you so much for being my guest on this special episode of the HR Chat Show. Thank you for having me and congratulations again. Huge, huge accomplishment. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Chat Podcast. There are hundreds of conversations with business experts available for free on the HR Gazette website, Apple, Spotify, and all the main platforms. And remember to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media.